0: On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, a special
1: Saturday episode of Locked On Thunder, our first episode of our NBA Draft dash to the NBA Draft a podcast every single day until NBA Draft Day. Today, we're joined by another Thunder super fan, one of the biggest accounts on Thunder Twitter, Thunder Chats to talk all about the NBA Draft and kind of what the Thunder could do this offseason. All of that and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thundersintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter, Hello Thunderpod. Email the show, hello thunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, we are joined by Thunder Chats, one of the biggest uh, Thunder fan accounts on Twitter to talk all about the NBA draft and the Thunder offseason as a whole. Chats, how are you doing today?
2: Hey, man, I'm doing great. You know, it's the weekend, uh, you know, watching, watching the finals, another great game, uh, playing basketball in the morning, I'm talking Thunder Hoops right now. So, hey, th- things are looking up.
1: Things are looking up, and you're deep in the draft on your podcast, uh, Topic Thunder, uh, talking to draft yes. guests, just breaking down prospects on your own. Uh, everyone is really draft-centric right now in mm-hmm. OKC. Uh, let's start at the top because i think that that's the most boring conversation of all the draft conversation because yeah. it's kind of narrowed down to like four names and and then you just kind of pick whoever you like but at two let's just say that we can assign the magic whoever we want to assign for me it's i've always said walker kessler is a joke because it's kind of funny <laughs> i don't think he has that much draft value so walker kessler goes number one everyone's on the board who do you want
2: uh, yeah, with me it's Chet. Um, you know, I've I've gone back and forth, like you know, talking to all the people that's come on our pods uh, about the draft. You know, watching the tournament, watching throughout the year, I've had Jabari, Chet, and Paolo number one at some point in my board. Um, but you know, as we as we get closer to like it becoming real, I, I just feel like Chet is the most he pick. You know what he could do offensively. He doesn't have a lot of holes in his game offensively in terms of um, you know what he's able to do. I'm, you know he's not going to be asked to do anything at a super high level on the offensive end. He's definitely going to serve as more more of a connector. But defensively, he instantly just steps in and fixes a lot of the problems we have. He gives you rim protection. He gives you versatility um, all the way outside the perimeter to a certain extent. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people that are worried about his frame, and I get it. Uh, let me just say, he's not Poku, okay? They're just, they're tall, skinny, white dudes. That's the only comparison you can say with Poku. But um, one of our uh, our guests that we had on, Tower Rucker of No Ceilings, uh, he said that a well-known scout uh, told him, you know, he he messaged the scout and was, you know, kind of voicing those same concerns about the frame. And the scout said, when you worry about the frame, that's when you get fired. So that's... That's uh that's words of wisdom from a well known scout that I can't dispel, but you know everybody knows him. So
1: yeah, and I think that too. You know, you're talking to a scout and they kind of take on the challenge of you know, sure you need to add to his frame now, but that's kind of your job as a developmental staff, as a yeah. uh, organization to develop these guys physically, mentally, emotionally everything in terms of developing them in the nba landscape so uh, the the deterrent should not be his frame right now it should be how you project these guys to be two three four years down the line and i i call it poku ptsd the people that compare chet to poku and they're just two totally different things uh in in terms of basketball but uh, let's say that chet is off the board with orlando at one let's say here in a couple weeks we start to hear smoke screens and start to hear more talk of chet going one to orlando is it simply just take Ch- Jabari or Paolo for you or do then you start to get creative for Sam Presti and go after Jaden Ivey?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would like to, you know, give you a weird answer, uh, but no, nah, I'm, I'm pretty boring at this point. I, I will say that my last board, I did have Paolo at number two. Um, I, I might be reconsidering that. I think that if Chet's off the board, I think Jabari just makes too much sense with what he does. I mean, the fit is just seamless offensively, defensively, um, you know, there's a lot of questions about uh, his shot creation. And the beauty of, you know, shot creation is when you have guards like Josh Giddy and Shea Suggsander, you don't have to worry about creating your own shot that much. You know, there's going to be um, a lot of people that, I mean, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of opportunities for you to get your own shot, that um, you're not creating it. You know, you got these guards creating it. And uh, one of the one of the biggest, like, I guess, pet peeves that bothered me about Jabari Smith's season is the guards that he played with, KD Johnson, Window Green. Um, they were, <laughs> you could tell they were really hard to play with. And, you know, if you give him Josh Giddey, she to Alexander, like, instantly, I, I think he's going to, things are going to open up for him offensively. Defensively, um, I'm really impressed. Like, I I saw throughout the year specifically, you know, I'm a Kentucky fan. Big shocker there. Um, Whenever Kentucky went to Auburn, I I mean, he was locking up anybody that you threw at him. I mean, he was putting on the whole show offensively. I mean, elbow jumpers, three-point shot, even getting into the lane. Like, I I don't know. I I feel like, you know, the more time that we have, like, and and I've talked about with our, you know, my co-host on the podcast, like, it it's a it's like a blessing that you have all this time to go through all this coverage between the lottery and the draft, but like it's also a curse because you can talk yourself in and out of prospects, you know, multiple times by the time the draft rolls around. But yeah, I would I would say I'm back in on Jabari too. I think his fit's just too seamless offensively, and then defensively, I think you know sky's the limit.
1: Yeah, I think that you know you're right. I think that it's kind of gotten to that point where people are trying to predict the Presti when in reality. Uh, it's not as though he's just a madman it, like he's made out to be. Uh, he's a very smart GM, very good GM, but it's not as though he's going to take a guy worse than than what you know what you would think just because he can, right? So I think that the, the Jaden Ivy stuff is kind of spiraled out of control. It, it kind of, I think, loses its context the more it's told. I think that maybe the Thunder just said, hey – you know, we like Jay Ivey as a prospect, but that doesn't mean you're going to take him at two, right? I'm sure last year, Troy Weaver liked Evan Mobley, but he wasn't going to take him over Cade Cunningham. I'm sure he liked Jalen Green. But he wasn't going to take him over Cade Cunningham. You know, it's just I think that's just a consequence of where the Thunder ended up in the lottery. Sure, they like Jay Ivey, but they're in a the position now to get somebody else. And for me, if I was betting, I would bet they walk away with one of the top three guys, regardless of who Orlando takes. For me, I have Jabari Smith as my number one overall prospect. I think that he's just excellent, especially in OKC. With a couple of facilitators I'm not ruling out Paulo I'm not ruling out Chet I think that if Chet's on the board it'll be difficult to see OKC passing on Chet for you with the Jaden Ivey smoke what did you make of that for that like one week or two week period uh, that you know it felt as though the Thunder to go Jaden Ivey or, or trade down and then there's that Kings report that they already made the trade which was insane they yeah they made the trade a month before the draft but what did you think of all that
2: Yeah, no, I I really just kind of took it all in stride, to be honest with you, just because, you know, if there was a GM that was going to do something wacky at the top of the draft, I mean, it's probably St. Presti. But at the same time, like, I mean, you know, the the fit is obviously in question. And, you know, that was always going to be weird. And and not even the fit of, like, us having multiple guards and Ivy being a guard, but, like, the fit of there being a – noticeable hole, like at the big man position and, you know, three guys that could, you know, reasonably fill into that spot. And so, yeah, I, I never really bought into it. I always thought it was kind of smoke and, you know, I, I'm one of the people that kind of subscribed to, at least early on in the process that if we're hearing about it, if it's leaked, like it's probably not going to happen because uh, if a deal, quote unquote, was on the table and agreed to, uh, I mean, I think in the Paul George trade, I think even in the Russell Westbrook trade, um, Presti had said that you know if this leaks out, like it's done, like the deal's dead. So that's that's that that was kind of my uh, justification for dismissing the trade entirely.
1: Yeah, and I think it just comes back to we're bored, <laughs> you know, no no games or anything. Yeah, uh, people are trying to think of scenarios that that make sense or somewhat make sense, and again, losing context. I, I mean. This could have just been a scout from another team who said to this Kings beat writer, yeah, you know, the, the Thunder are impressed with what Jaden Ivy's doing. They're gonna be impressed with at least 20 something prospects in this draft, but they might not be in a position to draft any of them at all. Like it, they're gonna be impressed with a lot of guys. If you're not impressed by multiple guys in a draft class, this is a very bad draft class in that case, right? So uh, yeah. I, I think that uh, with the Thunder, you know, w- whenever you're looking at the Thunder rumors, people forget that also what source, sourced info. They don't just like us whenever they tell us stuff, right? Like scouts, players, agents, owners, GMs, whoever's feeding you info, they're not just doing it because they like you. They're doing it because there's an agenda or motive behind it that benefits somebody involved. It's like whenever these agents are, are getting their prospects' names out there uh, of workouts for teams who don't release that info. They're doing it to benefit themselves. They're doing it to... Uh, leverage something. There's a reason why. It's not just because, oh, I like this guy. i got to good a relationship with him. Let's just feed him this information. Uh, so now sometimes, of course, if you do something big for them, they'll scratch your back on something else. But nonetheless, usually nine times out of ten, sourced info comes with an agenda behind it, and you've got to figure out what that agenda is when it's put out there. And you're right. The Thunder uh, just typically do not leak stuff like that. Not to say that they never leak anything, because I feel like yeah. if, you're, if you're in the camp of the Thunder don't leak things, people are always going to throw back at you Pokoshevsky. And if you want to believe that the Thunder don't leak things, you can just throw back at them, James Book Knight. So it's just an endless cycle of uh, these couple of times we found out things or didn't find out things about OKC. But yeah, I think that if I had to bet money, it's going to be one of the top three guys. And you can just calm down on the, on the uh, Jaden Ivy smoke screen. Although I think Jaden Ivy would be a very good player. But we're going to talk yeah. about the more interesting topic coming up uh, after the break, talking about pick 12. Because you have very strong opinions on who you think the Thunder should go after <laughs> at pick 12. And I want to hear your reasoning. Coming up. but first, I want to say right now, we're good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all betting needs and info, news and odds, including NBA Finals action, uh, NHL hockey, and just everything in between. So make sure you go check them out today at Bet Online, folks. Bet Online is going to have you covered with everything you want betting wise on sports. It's so easy. You type in Bet Online in your URL. You go to sports, and then from there, you can go down to basketball. And then NBA, and then you're going to see the NBA series odds, which right now, after the uh, Warriors took uh, the game in Boston and even up the series again, they're now back to being the favorites at minus 135. So you can check that out today at Bet Online.
0: This is Jake from Locked Dawn. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: We are back on the On Thunder podcast. On the Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Dylan, let's talk about... Uh, Pick 12. You've been very high on pick 12. And for me, my stance has been you're gonna have value at the 12th overall pick. Mm -hmm. I've been saying this since the lottery. You don't just have to be desperate to find a trade up to seven or eight or nine or ten, especially in this draft class. In this draft class, the guys I have graded at pick, you know, seven through twelve are separated by the thinnest of margins that they're not truly even separate. It's just because you have to pick somebody for each slot in the on the big board. So You're going to have good talent fall to you at 12, especially if we have a draft night surprise, which we typically always have a draft night surprise. So this is just, if it goes chalk, you're going to have a good name there. Um, Whenever you see the rise of Jiang, whenever you see the rise of Sohan, Branham, these guys rising up the leaderboards, it's going to have to push somebody down the leaderboards come draft night. So at 12, are you team trade up no matter what, or would you just stay put at 12?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm open to either one, but honestly, I mean, you know, just kind of like you said, I'm, chill with just staying at 12 because, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of value, not even just the the 12 spot. I think there's a lot of value in this draft. I think it's a very underrated draft class, honestly, the more you dig into it. But, um, you know, I I have, you know, I guess a campaign. Like, I'm pushing propaganda on Twitter for a certain prospect. I'm not sure that's who you're talking about, but – I want to be clear. You like you know, like you said, there's going to be some players that potentially fall down there, and I'm not saying I'm pushing for that player over you know a Johnny Davis if he fell, an AJ Griffin Jr., Uh, Shaden Sharp, who you know after talking to a few scouts, like you know some of them are like, you know, there's probably a team that's going to fall in love with his upside, and he's not going to fall like past eight, and then there's other guys that are like, well, he could legitimately be there at twelve, and I mean, if he's there at 12, like, you know, regardless of how you feel about the guy, I think you have to take that kind of swing. So, I mean, just because I'm pushing for a guy that, you know, is kind of at the late lottery uh, doesn't mean that's like 100% who I want. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm just kind of campaigning for him. But no, I, I would love to see Johnny Davis on this team. You know, I think that. He gives you a lot in terms of shot creation, but also his defense and his motor. I think is you know some of the best in the class at his position. Uh, AJ Griffin Jr. obviously his shooting. Um, I liked hearing what he said at his uh, at his Portland workout. How you know all the naysayers are saying that he can't play defense, and he wants to prove them wrong. Like I love that mentality. I love that mindset, and I I want to see it. Like you know if he you know gets back to how he was playing you know, before he came to Duke, before his injuries in his high school career, like, that's an absolute steal. And if he falls to 12, like, I mean, you you sprint to the podium. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, there's uh, obviously Sharp with the upside. Yeah, I mean, those are the guys. Benedict Matherin, like, I don't think there's any shot he falls. Like, if he gets all the way down to 11, I don't think he falls past the Knicks. I just feel like he's he's Taylor May for New York, like (laughs) – it's like the Hollywood East. And I feel like Benedict Matherin could be like, not a Hollywood player in terms of like his uh, off the court stuff, but like on the court, like, you know, he's just, he's just highlight. Like, he's a human highlight reel. Like, not Dominique Wilkins' human highlight reel, but, you know, he's the guy that's going to go out there and just bring you exciting basketball. And I think that, you know, New York would really like love that and embrace a player like that. So I don't see him falling past 11, but if he came to 12, too, I would snatch that. You know, just any of those, uh, you know, any of those wing players really that fall to 12, I'm more than happy snatching.
1: Well, you have your guy at 12, though, Usman Jiang, who you've been just <laughs> pounding the table for. Jiang gang, baby. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into his player profile soon here in Lockdown Thunder, but to tease it, tell me what you think. Why are you so high on Usman Jiang for the Thunder?
2: Yeah, see, um, a lot of the thing with Usman Jiang, like I'm very high on the upside I'm very high on the defensive potential, and I'm very high on the guy that, you know, me and Alex talked about it in a couple podcasts ago. Um, a player that really struggles early on in the year and has a dramatic improvement in the second half, and you look at guys, I mean, it happens at every level. I mean, you've got Malachi Branham at Ohio State. It took him like 10 games to get going, and then it was he was going off like gangbusters. Dyson Daniels, Jaden Hardy, they obviously had to adjust to the physicality and the speed of playing against professional guys, and once they got more comfortable, you know, they really hit the ground running. And who's my jank? Like, you ask any scout, the first half of the year, this guy, I think Sam Vecini said, that like, there's no statistical evidence this guy's an NBA prospect. And second half of the year, you know, he he started showing some things. He showed, you know, why he's being considered in the lottery. So, like, you know, the upside is the, the thing that, like, really intrigues me with him. But the reason that I think, like, he's one for the Thunder is I, I think that he might be the most Presty like, the most prototype Presty pick of all time. And I, I'm working on writing a piece of the, for this on the weekend. But, like, you know, just, this is just kind of like my bullet points. I think he's an infusion of the New Age, Old O-H Age Thunder because – He's not a super athlete, but, you know, he can get off the ground. He can, you know, go, go dunk it. So, he's a long, athletic defense type. That's the old-age Thunder. New age. He's a guy that can dribble. He can pass. He can shoot. Uh, he can create for his own shot. He can create for his teammates. Like, you know, new-age Thunder on that point. Um, he's a young guy with upside. He's got the NBL pipeline. You go back to Josh Giddy last year, Terrence Ferguson, before that. He's got the French pipeline, Maldon, uh Maladon, Jalen Horde. Hey, Sarer. Sorry, Olivia S R. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just like
1: stop so remembering weird. the Olivia times too. That those Olivia SAR times really <laughs> choke me up as well.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's ugh, don't even get me started on Olivia Sar. <laughs>
1: but no, I
2: mean, just all all the dots, like just connecting the dots. It, it feels like it's written in the starts that you know. Like I said, I would rather you know take the guy that
1: falls to twelve
2: but I can 100% see and justify Presti reaching at 12.
1: Coming up, let's talk picks 30, 34, and should the Thunder add some veteran help to this rebuilding roster? We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Roland Stiles. Thank you for making Locked On Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. This is our NBA Draft Dash pod. We're going to go every single day, including the weekends, through the draft. And, of course, we're always Monday through Friday here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, joined today by Thunder Chats, host of the Topic Thunder Podcast Chats, 30 34 what do you what is your feeling telling you who are some names that you like so far uh we've heard a lot of names down in that range that have worked out for okc specifically keon ellis who not only had two uh, workouts in okc but i heard that he absolutely crushed his workouts in okc both times so it feels like maybe they're gonna try to get keon Ellis at 30 34 kind so of who do you like in that range
2: yeah i mean i like Ellis. you know um uh, anybody that can is a wing and that can shoot, and, uh, you know, again, going back to the age and the Upside, I, I, you know, I, I like those types of players, but uh, kind of falling in the same vein, um, Max Christie is a guy that I've really become enamored with in the draft process. Um, you know, it's funny, everybody talked about how Caleb Houston, um, you know, withdrew from the combine. It's like, oh, he's got to have a promise. Uh, oh, the Thunder love getting promises. It's definitely the Thunder and Caleb Houston. And it's just like, you know, Max Christie did the same thing, but nobody's wanting to link Max Christie and the Thunder. It's just Caleb Houston. And I, I think Max Christie fits better with what OKC's trying to do. You know, he's like a six five six six wing. Uh, he's got long arms. He really gets after it defensively. Like, he's really good at on-ball defense. Off-ball defense, you know, there's a little bit to be desired. And he didn't have a great year in terms of shooting the ball at Michigan State, but you know, just the, the proof is in the tape. Like his shot's not broken. His form looks like pristine. And from everything that I've heard, uh, I mean, he's torched every workout that he's been in. So he's definitely a guy that I like, you know. And I've also, it kind of falls back into, you know, he was a guy that was highly touted going into this draft and, you know, he kind of slipped. So um, anytime you can take a swing on a prospect like that, like 30 34 range, uh, I'm always all for it. And, uh, another guy that I really like is Gabriel Perchita um, out of Italy. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's a little bit older. I think he's like 21, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, he's also a wing. Uh, he can really shoot the ball. Super athletic. Uh, people on our show have said he might be the bounciest swing in the draft, which is kind of crazy, like pound for pound, bounciest swing in the draft. Gets after it defensively. He's got the dog mentality. And the beauty with Prachita is he gives you flexibility that you don't have with other prospects because you can bring him in right away if, you know, you feel like that's what you need to do. You can bring him to the G League if you want to oversee his development, or you can draft and stash him and let him continue to develop in the League. And so that's, uh, I really like Prachita for all those reasons. I mean, if you haven't noticed, like, there's, there's a theme in all the prospects I like. I just want to surround Shea with shooting. And Shea and Giddy were shooting. And how I said on the podcast, I want shooting on the wings. I want shooting in the bigs. I want the coach to be able to shoot. I want the refs to be able to shoot, front office to be able to shoot. like Just surround those dudes who are shooting.
1: I agree. They need to fill that shooting hole, uh, the, the, the Thunder do, especially whenever you have two great playmakers uh, in Shea and Giddy who can set them up and, and they can benefit from the drive and kick from Shea and benefit from the passing and, and, and kind of vision of Josh Giddy. Uh, mm-hmm. let, let's talk – Trades because the box Boxing one put out a report that they're hearing that the Thunder are going to trade pick 30 and 34 for veteran help. To me, that sounds like a big, because they have a lot of perimeter guys that they like and want to get minutes to and touches to, and, and you don't really want to throw a, another veteran in that mix. Down low, is there anyone that sticks out to you who could be valued with pick 30 and 34?
2: Yeah, I mean veteran big yeah that that just that derailed what i was about to say so i'm gonna throw that
1: i I wonder if the report just meant like has played in the nba before like as a veteran
2: yeah i mean it's possible um you know a
1: guy that
2: i don't know how available he is at this juncture but um the nuggets are like a i would say even like a likely trade partner because you know they have picked 21 obviously but they also you know probably are looking to shed a little bit of money going into this offseason and jermichael green's kind of been a player that people have thrown about to you know kind of get money off that contract i wonder if you could trade 30 and 34 for jermichael green absorb his contract you know before the um before the new league year starts and bring in a guy like zeke nanaji who i think has a lot of potential still as a prospect you know he's He's young, but he's playing behind Jokic. I think he has a lot of talent. I think he can do a lot. Um, I think it was Derek Murray that was on your podcast that was talking about like just how great of a kid that Zeke Nanaji was. And, you know, we know that Presti values players first over – I mean, people first over players. So uh, I feel like he feels like a thunder guy. And now to say how he would fit next to Chet or Jabari because he's also a little thin himself, you know, that's – that, that's another question, but uh, I do feel like he is a guy that uh, I'd be down to check out.
1: Yeah, Zeke is a guy that Derek was raving about uh, on the pod on Monday, so you can go back and listen to that. Jermichael Green, $8.2 million, uh, a player option that he's probably going to exercise uh, for the 2022-23 season, and then he's an unrestricted free agent in 2023, which allows the Thunder to stay flexible monetarily as they want to do in 2023. I think that that's a nice target uh i just i just wonder what that report could mean what that trade would even look like uh, and mm-hmm. what that would kind of signal for the thunder but uh chats thanks for joining us uh you got you got your uh, twitter account at thunder chats you got topic thunder where all can they find you and uh, support your work
2: yeah man so you know like like you said you know follow me at uh thunder chats that's that's my main um follow our podcast at okc topic thunder you know, we're posting two times a week we're I said we're knee deep in draft coverage for like the past few weeks, but like we're waist deep, if not chest deep in draft coverage at this point. So uh, we have new guests coming on, you know, every week. Uh, this Saturday, we're doing a mock draft, uh, mock draft wars with the No Ceilings guys. And uh, next week, we're actually having yourself, uh, Brandon Raybar and Andrew Schlecht, uh, to come on and, you know, kind of have a Thunder round table. We had it last year. Everybody really loved it. It was a great time. So. Really look forward to that. And then also you can uh, read my work at boomtownshoops.com. Uh, and, yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. You know, like I've said before, uh, ever since you, you know, took the reins of walked on Thunder, you've really breathed new life into it. And, like, you're killing it, man. So keep it up.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. And until tomorrow, be good. And be good to one another.
0: A hey, Prime members.